So much has changed since last Easter. The world has been shaken. Life has been disrupted. What we once called normal seems like it may never return. It's been easy to be discouraged, to lose hope, to feel the foundations of our faith begin to crumble. It's hard to keep our feet planted when the ground beneath feels like shifting sand. Now more than ever, we need to stand on the truth of Easter, a day which changed our eternity, changed our world forever. Death was defeated by life. Sin was consumed by mercy. The grave was swallowed up by victory. See, even in the darkest of moments, the love of Jesus could not be stopped. His faithfulness could not be broken. And when the dust settled, Jesus, he stood alive and victorious. Today, may we remember the truth of Easter, the power of the resurrection, and the promise of eternity. Yes, the world has been shaken, but the grave, it's still empty. And Jesus, he's still risen. He has risen. And we celebrate today the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, things have changed. Yes, the world is different. Some of the pictures that we saw in there flashes back to the beginning of this year. Uh, what a year. The last 12 months. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Bill. Uh, excited. Thank you for joining us here today. Uh, we're celebrating Easter. This is, a, this is hope because the video was right. Uh, the last year, COVID-19 uh, has changed so much. Uh, in, in each of our lives that impacted us, uh, we've been shaken. This verse talks about being shaken. This comes out of the book of Hebrews. It's God speaking to us. We have received a kingdom. Be grateful for the kingdom that we've received that cannot be shaken. It is not founded on the, the truths of this earth. It's founded on the truth of Jesus Christ. It's founded on an event, a historical event that happened 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the dead, giving us hope for today, hope for the future. You know, uh, our worlds have changed. Mine has over the last uh, 12 months. We've, we've all lost friends. Uh, we're still wearing masks. We're still social distancing. The, the constant changing rules of the CDC uh, comes that we no longer have to have temperature at the door, but we're still being cautious. We're still being careful. We're still being protecting those people that are around us. <clears throat> Last night at the service, I had a kind of a habit. I had a friend of mine, and he, he put his hand out, and I shook it. And, and then I didn't know he was going for a bump or what. I thought it looked like I'd killed him. Uh, <laughs> so uh, bumps to all. Uh, we live in strange times. This, this country this, that's being shaken, that's going on, the virus continues. It's mutating. Now California has a mutation of its own. Uh, that's supposedly more contagious and more deadly than all that have been out there. We're not through with this yet. Uh, next 12 months, we really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, 
COVID-19 has exasperated the pandemic of mental health inside of our country, loneliness from social isolation, fear from just going out. So many people are now starting to venture out again into the world after being locked in for so long. Uh, the pandemic of health and COVID-19 is just a just a, a health problem. We have an economic pandemic. Most people are aware of what's coming at us in the near future. The, the, the ban on foreclosures, on rent payments and mortgage payments, that's all going to come due here in a very short period of time. We'll have a financial pandemic that we'll have to deal with as we go forward. And not to mention the political pandemic that continues to take place inside of our country with division and strife, even with the new administration. Uh, that's there. The world is being shaken as we speak. But the foundation is still the same foundation. The foundation is what we celebrate today. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Easter 2021 still remembers the truth that we had before. It's the truth that the women discovered when they went to the tomb on Sunday morning to continue to prepare Jesus's body for burial. Uh, they, were, they were met by an angel, and, and this angel came to them and says, don't be afraid. I, I, I know that you seek Jesus, that sir, he was crucified, but he's not here. And the words, he is risen. He's risen from the dead. And the, the response to that for Christians is he's risen indeed. He, this is the living Savior that we know who's with us today, who's fully present at each moment and each of our lives. This is the good news of Easter. The tomb is still empty. Jesus says, still Jesus. We still have a firm foundation. We still have a hope. That is the good news. And, and, and because he lives, we can, we can have hope even in the continued isolation at times. Uh, we can still hear his voice encouraging us uh, as we open our Bibles, we open our hearts, he still speaks to us, he still encourages us. Have no doubt, Jesus is alive. You know, one of the, the certainties of an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God is he's with us today. He knows each of us intimately and personally. He knows, he knows our successes, he knows our fears, he knows our sins, and he knows our victories. This is the God that's here today. Would you join me in prayer as we acknowledge his presence? Lord Jesus, thank you for the foundation. Thank you for the hope that we have. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus Christ that we might have a future with you and a solid foundation. So Lord, we open our hearts. Please speak to us, each of us, in the ways that we need to hear today. We, we thank you. For Jesus Christ, we thank you for the hope and the foundation that we have. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Today, we're, I, have a, I have a couple of singular purposes. One is to bring forward evidence and proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I do that not to, to belabor a point, but some people have doubts. I know I did for, for the first 33 years of my life. Uh, I believe there was a God out there somewhere because I was born in the United States and I really was a way cool guy. 
I thought I was, thanks for the laugh. Uh, I thought I was a Christian. I thought I had it going on. And then I came to the realization that I'd been deceived. So one of the things we want to put forward today is, is the truth of Jesus Christ and the evidence. You know, we, we have clear objective evidence that the real Jesus Christ was a historical character, a man who walked on this earth, who was born as a babe, laid in a manger, grew up to become a man and a teacher in Israel. He healed sick people. He, I was just reading today, and one of the times when he restored sight to blind people. He raised the dead. He created food out of a few morsels and loaves, fed thousands. He, he walked on water. And he calmed storms with a word. One of the most impressive things, remember that his, most of his followers were certainly familiar with the Sea of Galilee. Many were fishermen at that time. So they knew the, the raging waters that could take place on that particular place and, and the forces that were there. When Jesus walked on water, calmed storms, they said, who is this person that we've come to know? It's Jesus Christ, the living God. He left evidence that was there. But he was rejected by the very people he came to save. Because he spoke truth into a world that didn't want to hear truth, the world crucified him. His own people, the Jewish leaders, sent him out to be crucified on a cross to die so that their, their foolishness would not be exposed any longer. You know, the, the, the Bible is really clear. Jesus was raised from the dead. This is the hope that we have now and when we leave this earth. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, there is no hope. There's no hope beyond this world. If Christ has not been risen, our faith is futile. We're still in our sins. There's been no method to be able to remove that. The Bible makes these kind of statements just so that, I, to me, when I first read it, it came, this is in my face. This is a statement of Christianity. Hey, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep, those we know and love, are still in the grave. Steve Jobs, the president of Apple, said what the result is if Christ wasn't raised. He said, as an atheist, he said, well, when I die, it's lights out, game over. The worms come in. That's the hope without Christ. Is, is it all ends here for us and for those that we love. So this is the, the put forward without Jesus, without our death is certain. Death rate is 100% physically here on this earth. So, but it's game over for us too. But the truth is, and the, and the verse goes on, the next verse says, but, but in fact, but in fact, but in evidence, with certainty, Christ has been raised from the dead. First fruit for those who have fallen asleep. Jesus Christ defeated death. Now, evidence for this is, is available. It's certain. Each of us can look at the reasons for our faith. And that's really what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the firm foundation, first off, of what, that we have for our faith. One of the verses in the Old Testament uh, excuse me, in the New Testament, talks about the certainty of our faith. Those of you who have been to uh, Crossroads for a while, you know this is one of my favorite verses because it gives me the certainty of my hope. This, by the way, those of you who don't know it, that's the Coronado Bay Bridge. I, uh, 
I, 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 that's my hometown. I went to high school there, uh, hung out uh, for quite a while, forced to you know, live in a beach town near the beach, water skiing, bay. It was a terrible life. But uh, I go back once in a while, uh, go to a restaurant on Orange Avenue and 10th, one of my favorites sits there, and I order my favorite breakfast. It's an omelet called the garbage. And there should be no surprise what's in it. Everything that's got grease and fat and everything else is in the garbage. So I love it. But to get to it, I have to drive across the bridge. This bridge sits 200 feet above the water. It had to do that so aircraft carriers could go underneath it. It was one of the provisions. And for, as you get up 200 feet over the air, and you can really normally, if you're near the edge, you don't see anything except water way below you. Why would I drive on that bridge? Like millions of people, tens of millions of people have driven on that bridge because I trust it. I trust it. I trust it because there's a foundation. You look at the pillars on the left, there's a foundation, a certainty, a, a strength that is underneath those visible pillars that stick up that support the bridge that I risk my life and the family's life on every time I go over to eat the garbage. But what, this is the verse, and it talks about faith. Your faith, my faith, what is our faith based on? It's not blind faith. Certainly it's not. Now, faith, according to the Bible, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance. This is a, a, a word out of the Greek language that, that talks about hupiostasis, it's something put under. It's hupo is under. Stasius is a strong support. It says our faith is based on a strong support. And it goes on to say that it's the assurance, or excuse me, the conviction, which is proof. We have proof that Jesus rose from the dead. We have proof that the Bible is the supernatural word of God. We have proof of each and every one of these things that we build our lives on. Today we're going to look at several of those. The, the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the certainty of who he is is where we're going to start. Uh, we're going to watch a video from a, someone who I admire, uh, was an atheist. And he went out to disprove Christianity. He was, in a, he, was in a, he was in a marital crisis because as an atheist, he was a reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And uh, a lawyer speaking in, on the legal aspects that were there. So his wife destroyed their marriage by becoming a Christian. Yeah, I, I, the same sympathy response here. Uh, yes, everything changed for him. So he did what he would normally do. Uh, he went out to disprove Christianity. He, as an investigative reporter, he looked at all the evidence to, to prove to his wife that Jesus Christ is not the hope of the world. He spent years researching and checking out his story. Is, uh, there's a case for a creator. There's a case for Christ. There's a case for faith. These are all books that he later wrote. Let's listen to him talk about his foundation of faith. I like to look at the evidence for the resurrection in four categories. The first one is, did Jesus die on the cross? Was he dead? Virtually every scholar on planet Earth concedes that Jesus was dead after crucifixion. We have no record of anyone anywhere ever surviving a full Roman crucifixion. Uh, even the Journal of the American Medical Association 
uh, published a peer-reviewed scientific medical study of the evidence for the death of Jesus and said clearly the weight of the evidence indicates that Jesus was dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. Even the atheist New Testament scholar, Gerd Ludemann, says historically it's indisputable that Jesus was dead. So Jesus was dead. The second category of evidence is the early accounts we have for the resurrection. In other words, I used to think as an atheist that the resurrection was a legend, and that took a long time to develop in the ancient world. But what I learned is that we have preserved for us a creed of the earliest Christian church, a creed that is a eyewitness-based report of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, this creed has been dated back by scholars to within months of the death of Jesus within months. That is historical gold. So we've got a newsflash from ancient history on the resurrection. Third category of evidence is the empty tomb. And the best evidence for that is even the opponents of Jesus implicitly admitted the tomb was empty. Because when the disciples began proclaiming that Jesus had risen, what the opponents said was, oh, well, um, the disciples stole the body. Now they're conceding the tomb's empty. They're just trying to explain how it got empty. So everybody's conceding the tomb was empty. How did it get empty is really the issue, and that goes to the fourth category of evidence, which is eyewitnesses. You know, for most of what we know about ancient history, it comes from one or maybe two sources of information. And yet, for the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus, we have no fewer than nine ancient sources, inside and outside the New Testament, confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the risen Christ. That is an avalanche of historical data. So you put all that together and you have a really good case for Easter. I love being challenged. I love being, in this case, affirmed. Uh, I, I, when I started investigating Christianity, I, I came with my doubts. I thought it was just a philosophy. I found out it's based on historical facts and evidence. There is, there is now a foundation for my hope, the faith that is there. But again, we talk about these, and I, I want to go back, and in each of the things that we have today, in the bottom of your notes, in your app that's on your phone, and on the church website, you're going to see multiple resources that you can go and click on, videos that you can watch, things that you can read that affirm the things that we're talking about today. One of the uh, most powerful that I just recently listened to uh, was, was, a, was a testimony of a committed, devout Muslim who started to interact with a Christian and their main discussion was to, to find out and look at the evidence of what was true. Over a four-year period, this, this Muslim challenged all the beliefs of the Christian and back and forth they went with evidence that they have. Uh, ultimately, the book was written, Seeking Allah, this committed Muslim, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. The evidence pointed him in that direction. If you want to just listen to one of them, this is a perfect overview of someone who's honestly seeking for truth and what ended up resulting inside of his life. So what do we have today as far as testimony and proof that people saw Jesus alive? Let's make first, make sure we understand the disciples. The disciples had followed Jesus for three years. They had seen all the miracles that had taken place. Jesus had explained to them the kingdom of God that he was bringing. And he did tell them that he was going to be crucified, beaten, 
buried, and rise again. But they didn't connect all of this. So when Jesus was crucified, he was buried. They weren't out dancing in the street looking for a resurrection. They were hiding behind closed doors. They were afraid of their lives because they knew the very people who had killed Jesus Christ would again kill them if they had the opportunity. So Friday, after the crucifixion, hiding, shaking, afraid. We know Sunday's coming. Saturday, hiding, shaking, behind closed doors. We know Sunday's coming. Sunday, they got their courage up and sent the women to the tomb. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I didn't see that many elbows go like this when, when I said that. But he sends them out there. And of course, the news we've already reviewed, Jesus is alive. They come back with that report. And, and there's, there's disbelief. Peter and John, they run to the tomb to look to see if these things could be, could be true. They knew that everything changed at that moment. Uh, they, they went from radically, they were radically changed from, from hiding behind doors, uh, fearing for their lives, to become bold, courageous proclaimers of Jesus Christ. Their bold testimony changed the world that we live in. Their testimony and the spread of Christianity throughout the known world then and today is the foundation of our country, our, our founding fathers, read these testimonies. They took the Bible and built a country on its principles. But these people were radically changed. Why were they radically changed? Because they saw the living Christ. There was no doubt. They came up and they, he appeared to each and every one of them. Here's a, a story of some of his appearances that were written by uh, someone called Paul. He's the Apostle Paul. He wrote this. Initially, he was the Saul who was persecuting the church. This is, this is Paul's. I delivered to you of first importance what I received. That Christ died, okay, for our sins, according to the Bible, all predicted. That he was buried, put in a tomb. That he was raised on the third day, according with the scripture, all predicted. And he appeared to Cephas, who was Peter, who denied him three times. Those of you who are familiar with the story, Peter denied Jesus three times to save his life. And first thing that... that the, was Peter was told, or that they, uh, they were told, go tell Peter. So Peter was the first appearance uh, alive after the girls who went to the tomb. And so Peter saw him. Then he appeared to 500 people. Then he appeared to the rest of the disciples gathered together. And he talked about these people. Some of them have fallen asleep, but there's the rest of them are here. He appeared to his half-brother James, and then all the apostles. And last, Paul tells his story. Says he appeared to me, someone untimely born. He was the one persecuting the church, killing Christians, put him in jail. He's going to Damascus. Many of us know the story. And he's going down the road in light and a voice knocking to the ground. He becomes blind. This arrogant, pompous, uh, religious person falls to the ground. And a uh, voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul asks the obvious question. He's blind. Well, who are you? I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Saul becomes this powerful witness and testimony that spreads the word of Jesus Christ throughout the Roman Empire. You know, this is the personal appearances that changed everything. My favorite 
is an invitation that he was given to what we call Doubting Thomas. It's an invitation he gives to each of us here, to those who doubt, to those who have concern. Uh, one time, Jesus appeared to the disciples. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas comes in later and they say, Jesus was here. He says, I'm not believing it until I can put my, my hands in his scars. And so that went on and Jesus shows up and the first thing he does is he goes to Thomas and he says, Thomas, come here. He didn't get mad at him. He doesn't get mad at honest seekers. He says, come on, look at the proof. Look at the evidence. And, and he invites Thomas. He says, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand uh, and, and look at the hole in my side. Don't, do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas's response to anyone who honestly looks at the evidence that's put in front of us he says, my Lord and my God. That's the invitation that we're offering to those who do not know him today. Uh, again, we can look at the historians, the Jewish historians or Roman historians. The video was good at giving the proof. We can have confident evidence. I know that is what transformed me into a follower of Christ, was the evidence that was put in front of me. You know, and I... I'm going to, to talk about a, a group of people, the disciples, and, and what happened to them. Uh, I, when I was investigating Christianity, I first had investigated, I, I was hooked by the proof of prophecy. And then so I started looking and reading, and then I came to the disciples, and I was, but what, what do I do with them? What, what's the story? I said, why, why were they so adamant? They'd seen the risen Christ. Now, I had already been, I was, many of you know, I was a gunship pilot in the Marine Corps, had two tours in Vietnam. Many people, I saw them die. Uh, I, many of my friends died. But in that time, I knew one thing for certain. As I looked at the disciples and they died, they wouldn't die for a lie. And this is a list, again, it's on the handouts inside the website. Each of them died saying that they had seen Jesus Christ alive. They had suffered. The, the first four that are there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, those are the first four eyewitnesses' accounts in the New Testament of Jesus' life. The first three died. Paul, or excuse me, John, the fourth one, face martyred him. They put him in boiling oil to kill him, and he didn't die. How rude. He lived and went on to, to write, but he became the, the last living one. The rest of them died from Peter, James, uh, all of them, Bartholomew, Andrew, Philip, and Paul, who we just saw right, uh, was captured, was taken by Nero to Rome, and was beheaded. They died for their faith. Now, all they had to do, recognize, these were the shaking, cowardly men who were hiding behind closed doors, became bold test, you know, testifiers of Jesus Christ. What changed was seeing the risen Lord change their life. You know, it changed everything that took place. And uh, one of my favorite examples is right after uh, what we call Pentecost. And they stood in front of crowds of thousands. And Peter gets up and proclaims the truth of Jesus Christ. Here's his sermon that he gave. Now, remember, he's giving this message to people who had the capability of killing him. Stoning him right there or turning him over to the Romans to be crucified. So he stands in front of them and, and 
he gets right in their face. There had just been a healing. God had healed a person, and so he's standing there with them. Let it be known to you, speaking to the hostile crowd of Jewish leaders at that time, and to all the people of Israel, but by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified. Can you imagine? Who, whom you crucified, pointing to the various religi the religious leaders that had killed him, uh, that, that uh, whom you crucified, God has raised from the dead, again the statement, and by this name this man stands before you in good health. And Peter continues to go on and preach this powerful message that thousands came to know Christ inside of that. This is the bold transformation that took place. And within the first hundred years after the resurrection of Christ, 10 million followers of Jesus died proclaiming that Christ was alive. They were torn apart by lions in the Colosseum. Uh, they were dipped in oil and pinned to crosses as, and lit on fire for, by Nero. Uh, and today in 2021, Christians are still dying. We see them lined up along a beach in orange jumpsuits and being beheaded. We, in Nigeria right now, there's a, a persecution and killing of Christians, China. Uh, home churches are being demolished. Christians are being imprisoned. This is throughout the world. Why would they do that? Why would the disciples do that? Very simple. They knew the tomb was empty. Death had been conquered. Jesus Christ gave them a promise and a certainty that when they died, they would be with him. They would be part of eternity in heaven with him. So that's the promise that they became reckless with their lives. The answer is simple. The tomb was empty. Proof of changed lives through Jesus Christ. The next proof, and this is just quickly because we talk about it often, is prophecy. Prophecy comes about, biblical prophecy and true prophecy comes about when a deity, a philosopher, a person, a politician, anyone looks at the future and sees clearly and accurately tells us what's going to happen. They predict and they say, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. And, and, and it comes past. It's just like uh, I heard the example, if you were in New York City, often many people go to the site of 9-11 and a tour guide will take them there. And, uh, but what if the week before 9-11 took place, a tour guide took people there, showed them the Twin Towers and said, oh, by the way, in a week, these will be a pile of rubble. Everyone would go, <laughs> wacky, wacky. But if it took place, it would be a whole different deal. And over and over and over again, the God has recorded in his word the future. And he challenges everyone else. He says, all you other gods, all you other cults, all you other philosophers, all you talking heads, set forth your case. Bring your proof says God, the king of Jacob. Let him bring, declare to us what's going to happen in the future. If you're God, you know the future, you tell it. You let us know what's going on. Tell us what's going to come hereafter that we know that you are God's. And, and he says, do good, do, do something. Prove that you're God. Our God continues to prove that he's God. Last week, Nick in his message, gave many verses that comes out of the Old Testament. Uh, by the way, a, a good source for this is, interestingly, there's a group called Jews for Jesus 
uh, Jews who, with the Old Testament background, there's a list of all the prophecies that their website has put out that Jesus fulfilled in the New Testament. Powerful words. But one of my favorite, and I'm just going to touch on this, uh, was, was something that bothered me initially. Uh, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, uh, the, the sun had gone out, you know, and, and uh, they had a, actually an eclipse, which is an impossibility, as, you know, according to uh, astronomers, in a full moon. They had, a, they had an eclipse, a solar eclipse that was actually reported in Egypt and verified uh, that it did take place. But during this time, Jesus says in the language of the people at that time, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This bothered me because I knew God had not forsaken him. What happened, and again, please do this, go to Psalms 22. Psalms 22 is the first words of Psalms 22 is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was pointing to a psalm that was written a thousand years before by King David. And by the way, well before crucifixion was invented by the Assyrians. So he's, Jesus is pointing back to a prophecy. Why would he do that? Because in the prophecy, crucifixion was described. He says, there's people that have gathered around hostile to me. They wag their heads, and this is exactly what was happening. They says, they circle me. They pierce my hands. They pierce my feet. They gamble for my clothes. Go to your Bible, open Psalms 22, go to Matthew 27, and just read the two of them. You'll see a specific fulfillment a thousand years later of what was promised uh, in there. We have certainty and we have proof. The challenge is there for each and every one of us. Challenge to skeptics, atheists, agnostics, honest seekers who are looking for truth and evidence. It's there. One of the most convincing, and, and many of these people I have actually read, who are atheists who went out to disprove Christianity. So if you're here today and you have doubts, please follow in their footsteps. C.S. Lewis, one of the brightest minds of the last century, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and Mere Christianity, which really impacted my life. You go right on down this list of people. Simon Greenleaf, founder of the Harvard uh, Law School, uh, his book is still used to, to define what's acceptable evidence. He's an atheist that went to prove, to disprove Christianity, and he ended up proving it. His textbook is still used today. Josh McDowell went and took two years trying to disprove the Bible, wrote a book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Uh, J. Wallace Warner became known as, was known for sol solving cold cases. He's a detective. And he says, I'm going to take on Christianity as an atheist. I'm going to prove, I'm going to make a cold case out of Jesus Christ. Looking at the evidence, became a Christian. The last one is one of my favorite, Francis Schaeffer, once an agnostic, became a follower of Christ. His book, True Spirituality, talks about the foundation of Christianity. The evidence is out there. I, I encourage everyone to partake of these. But the question really at the foundation of Easter is, why did Jesus have to die? And what does it mean to me in 2021? Christ had to die because we're sinners. I hate to say that, but sin is a moral mark against the holy creation of God and God himself. And God, as a holy God, cannot come into communion and connection with sin. Heaven would not be heaven if, if 
there was one sin or sinner in heaven. It would be spoiled and ruined. Just as uh, today, if someone said, here, you want a glass of water? Oh, there's some COVID in there. If you say, it's only a drop. But you certainly would say, no, it's the same thing. The revulsion of sin has to be there. And if we say we have no sin in our high self-esteem, self-justifying, uh, rationalizing, blaming everyone else for our uh, false culture, we're deceiving ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. If we say we haven't sinned, we're calling God a liar who says we have sinned. This is very basic one-on-one stuff. But, you know, there's such a truth and the freedom experienced it again this morning to stand before God in communion, talking and listening. And I stood as a sinner that's been forgiven. A sinner that, that can talk to God because of Jesus Christ. Jesus changes everything. But it starts with a humble foundation of seeking forgiveness. There's no distinction. All have sinned. And not only sinned, but we were dead in our sins, our trespasses, which separated us from God. I used to think I was free. And, and if you're here and you, you haven't uh, come to this realization, before we're Christians, we're not free. We're bound by this world. And according to this verse, we walk according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is working in the sons of disobedience. It doesn't take a cold case to detective to see that that's pointing to the devil. Before I followed Christ, I followed the other guy. And so does everyone else that walks in that. But, but what's the answer to our sin? What's, what happens when we sin? Well, first, we're dead. We're dead spiritually and separated from God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We overcome we overcome the separation with God through Jesus Christ. You know, the, the verse that we've used the last couple of weeks at Crossroads is, is a verse that comes out of the book of Romans that we're studying as a group. It, it talks around, there's no distinction. All have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. But we're, we're justified, just as if we've never sinned by God's grace. God's grace as a gift. God's grace. Grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense through the redemption which is in Christ. Jesus went forward as, I'm going to pronounce it right, I was corrected. Well, I still may not get it right. A propitiation. Is that a little, little? no, never mind. Uh, it's a Greek word that Greeks pronounce perfectly. But what it means is a sacrifice. Sin has to be paid for. Your sin, my sin. Little sins, big sins. All have to be paid for so we can have a relationship with God. Christ is put forward as a payment for that sin. He pays for my sins. He paid for your sins. He paid for the sins of the people before and the people that will be born after. Christ, the all-knowing God, paid for each and every one of my sins. They were literally nailed to the cross. A verse that describes this is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It talks about what is talked about in the Bible as a great exchange. For, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin. Who knew no sin? Jesus becomes sin even though he was sinless so that in Christ we can become the righteousness of God. The righteousness, the right standing without sin in God's presence. 
What does that look like? I, I asked a friend to, to, to work this up. This is the great exchange. There was a point in, in my life when I recognized Christ, and many here have had this experience, when we saw our sin, and, and, and we didn't know what to do with it. God gives us the answer. Our sins are taken from us and put on Jesus Christ, nailed to the cross, just as that spike is in there. All my sins and all yours were listed there. All mankind's sins, actually. were taken there and paid for by Christ so that we might become sinless. His sinlessness, his holiness comes to us. This is, this is incredible. Like, you know, it actually is, when I, when I start, I almost use the word foolishness. This is so foolish that God would do this for us. This is so impossible. This is so ridiculous that God would leave heaven and come and walk among us to take our filth, our dirt, our junk and die for us. It's inconceivable, if I can use that word, in, in any way, shape or form. But it's true. The evidence supports the statement that Jesus Christ became sin that we might be sinless and enter into a relationship with God. You see, and, and how does that happen? How, how do we support that? Because the tomb is empty. Jesus is who he said he was. And Jesus died for us. And he rose again. And when he rose, that showed that God accept, accepted that sacrifice for our sins. If Jesus was not who he said, he'd still be in the tomb. God would not have raised him. God raised him from the dead to prove that. So what's our response for each of us? And, and I invite myself into the same search. Continue to find and investigate the evidence for Jesus Christ. We're invited to put our hands in the scars, to look at the evidence, to see what is true, just as Thomas was invited. Please do that. If you have any questions or challenges, you've got multiple sources, uh, resources that are being put forward at this time, look at them, read them, come, ask questions of us. You know, uh, we're here to help. Uh, we're here to, to, to provide whatever resources, free Bibles, free books, the library's open. We've got videos of many of these atheists, uh, uh, Lee Strobel for one, and, and uh, Josh McDowell. We have the, they tell their story. Listen to it. Read. Find out what this is about uh, as we do that. If you have other questions, next week we're going to have an Ask It. Ask It at Crossroads is where you can ask all the questions. The services, I don't prepare the message. You do. You come in with questions and ask, and we talk about them. We go back and forth and look and see what evidence or what the Bible says in each one of the questions that you might have. Please do that. The resources are available. We're in a series where we're going into Romans 6, 7, and 8. Romans 6, how you become a Christian. Romans 7, how do you deal with sin as a Christian? Because it doesn't go away, oh, by the way. And Romans 8, how do we live set free uh, in this world? Join us for that. That's for those seeking, for biblical followers of Jesus Christ. Be bold. People, we're not threatened with persecution and death yet. Certainly persecution is coming in the next years or so as our world continues to change. But if we're in Christ, we're a new creation. This is God has reconciled us to himself 
But he's given you and I a ministry of reconciliation. We are the messengers, just as the disciples 2,000 years ago went out and changed their world. That's our job today. We're ambassadors for Christ. Encourage others to be reconciled. You know, we're put here for a reason, not obnoxious, beating them over the head type uh, Christians, but love our neighbor in such a way that we have a relationship so we can explain the hope that lives within us. You know, that's what we're, we're, what we're called to do today. One last thing, and this is fun. This is what's called a spoiler alert. Most people know what a spoiler alert is. I'm going to say something that's going to blow up, something that's going to happen. Ready? Jesus is coming back. The risen Lord is coming here. He's not coming as a, a suffering Messiah. He's coming as a conquering Messiah. And for those who know him will be transformed in a moment, in the blink of an eye, we will put on perfection and be transformed. Whoa. There's hope. The risen Lord is coming back. Would you join me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're the living God that gives us hope, that gives us certainty, that transforms our lives. And you've given us a message of life to take to other people. Lord, forgive us. As individuals, forgive us as a nation when we've turned away from you and banned you from our schools and our kids. Lord, let us go and, and proclaim your truth that we have a risen Savior that's among us. Thank you that you will walk with us in everything. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.